fucking kidding me? A security guard? What are you, hey, stone? Hey, hey, take it easy. It's all right, Peggy. It's under control. You know something? I wasn't sure that you'd show up here, but I was very sure if you did, you'd throw this job in my face. Let me tell you something. Every single thing you've done with your life up until this point in the real world means nothing. Less than nothing. You're a bank robber. It's not a very marketable skill. We don't see a lot of old bank robbers walking around with a pension plan, now do we? I think you know this. That's why you're here. <sighs> Today, I've offered you a lousy job with a lousy wage. You want something better? Why don't you show me you can change? Then I'll offer you something better, a lot better. But until then, my friend, you'll have to earn it. How, Dick, the way you earn it? Marrying some rich broad owns a company, selling off a piece of time and divorcing her? Is this, this Newt Rockney pull yourself up by the bootstraps bullshit? Back in prison, a guy like you in a place like that? You were ice cream for freaks. A goddamn dumpling. Maurice and a dozen other guys would have bled you till you had nothing. Until you were nothing. I saved your ass. So you'll pardon me if I don't want to sit on a fucking stool all day and say, sign in here, please. Or, hey, pal, you can't park here. All right, dick? I can't fucking do it, dick! Podcast. It's the Cinema Nine Podcast. We're back at you live. Mike Govier here with your hosts, Eric Branstrom and Travis Roy. Travis, how you doing today, man? I'm doing really good. I am. I'm doing well. I'm. I'm very contrite and very humble to the Team Ducky community. I'm gonna apologize for any hurtful comments, uh, any thoughtlessness on my part last time. But other than <laughs> that, I'm doing very well. Yeah, there's some hardcore Ducky lovers. There's always going to be people who are passionate about people who are perceived as nerds or people who are less fortunate uh eric how's it going over there in griffith indiana good afternoon gentlemen you know remember last week on the podcast when i was trashing newspaper films <laughs> yes yeah i recall so, someone brought to my attention uh a glaring contradiction that i made that i have to clear up before i can move forward or else i'll have to dismiss myself from this podcast um one of my all-time favorite movies is a newspaper film, and um, it's Zodiac. So Ooh. I want to apologize to newspaper movies, and I hope that you can accept this apology because 
I was dead wrong. I love Zodiac. The entire movie takes place in a newspaper office. Yeah, you got called out there, buddy. That is not cool. And Zodiac is a great film. I agree. I think we've talked about it a couple weeks ago. And that Ruffalo is very, and all that. Yeah, the Ruffalo pod. That's right. Yeah. Very that guy from In the Cut. Yeah, the guy from <laughs> In the Cut. I'm very proud of you, Eric, for coming clean. This is the Cinema 9 Podcast. Thank you, Eric, for being so contrite and honest. You can find us on uh, Instagram. We got a lot of activity on Instagram. We've had some people checking in, talking about the podcast. Uh, we're called Cinema 9 Pod. That's numerical nine on Instagram. Eric, isn't something cool happening over there? I want to thank our over 700 followers. I don't know much about Instagram. I don't know if that's like mind-blowing or if any of them are listening, but uh, we appreciate your support. <laughs> uh, I want to... <laughs> I want to especially thank uh, our listener, My Little Slice of Hell, for calling the podcast uh, funny. He says the hosts have a good rapport, and uh, we drop a lot of knowledge. So we appreciate that. My Little Slice of Hell. <laughs> okay. Thank you, My Little Slice of Hell. Uh, we're, <laughs> all, uh, we're also on Twitter, uh, Cinema 9 Pod, Numerical 9. And uh, we picked up the Twitter action a little bit. We had some new followers join us this week. So thanks for joining our Twitter feed and checking in. There was a lot of, uh, you guys, Travis, you would love this. There's a lot of people that posted about Wonder Boys and a lot of people that uh, connected and they're listening to our pod about Wonder Boys. All right, so yeah, Wonder Boys was a big hit. And of course, last week we did Donnie Darko. We've got an email at the end of the show where somebody has a theory about Donnie Darko. And that is a movie that gets a lot of run to this day. And I was actually surprised on Twitter, there is endless amounts of Donnie Darko posts, people who call themselves Donnie Darko. Uh, it's, it's still quite relevant, and I was surprised. I didn't know that. It's kind of like the generation behind us is Crow, right? <laughs> is it? <laughs> I think that's, that feels right to me. I, uh, yeah, I, hey, I'll, t I'll defer to you on that one. I have no idea, but that's great. You know, Donnie Darko is a great movie, and I'm glad that there's, it still has a lot of presence in culture. And Jake Gyllenhaal is still a relevant actor, so that, that matters too, I think. And then, of course, today's show will focus in the center. The main nexus of our show today is about Out of Sight, 1998, Steven Soderbergh, George Clooney, Don Cheadle, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to talk about does that movie hold up? But first, as always, our opening segment varies from week to week. And this week, we decided to come up with a few roles or performances in great movies that are not good or awful, or terrible, or whatever word you would like to throw in there. Uh, Travis, I'd like to open with you. Uh, do you have something for us today? Oh, man. You know, it's, this was kind of my idea, and I kind of immediately regretted it because, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm not an actor, and, like, the idea of, like, like calling someone, like, hey, this is a terrible performance. Like, <laughs> is this, what a shitbag thing to, you know. Like, so, it, with all due respect to anybody that's got it in them to stand in front of the camera, that caveat aside. Also, I think it's important to say, maybe... You know, roles that maybe didn't fit either. You know, maybe it was poor casting. It's not yeah. just because they did a bad job. It, it, yeah. it depends. So for me, the, the first one that came to mind is probably, I'm, I'm guessing, Eric, I wouldn't be surprised if you thought of this too, or, or you, Mike, because it's so obvious. Um, Mickey Rooney in uh, Breakfast at Tiffany, uh, at Tiffany's, it's just famously all time, just like, and it's not even just the cringy stereotype that's going on and the racism that's there. It's also just like this hackneyed, weak, uh, comedy quote-unquote bit in an otherwise charming and really well-developed and good movie so it, it just sticks out like a sore th thumb even if it wasn't for uh you know for the obvious racial 
problems. Yeah, that's a good one. I completely agree with that. Uh, Eric, any comment on that one? <laughs> that's it's a it's shame. pretty bad. It's a shame because I love that movie too. And it's, it's so cringeworthy that it nearly topples the film. And, and I like Mickey Rooney. It's a shame he did uh, yeah. that because he was such a sweet child actor in like the Andy Hardy films. And he's done a lot of great fun things since. And he's a golden age legend. So that blemish is, is a big one. And I think it's Blake Edwards' part, the director of that one. He was pushing for him. He thought it'd be funny in some mm. fucked up sort of way. But yeah, <laughs> that's a good pick. <laughs> um, should I keep going? You guys want to? Go to what, town, man. Oh, Let him ride. Right. Well, I'll give you another one. Um, another one I thought was uh, another kind of maybe obvious one because this is someone that just really had no business being cast in this movie or I think any movie because she's not an actor, I don't think. Um, so I, I take issue with Milos Foreman and his uh, casting of Courtney Love in uh, People versus Larry Flint. I think that was a really good movie. And while she, and while she was adequate for the role um, and like it, it didn't bog down the movie overall, I just felt like she was just like glaringly um, like, like an amateurish surrounded by people like Woody Harrelson and Ed Nor Norton who were just you know, tower house, powerhouses of actors. This is a completely bullshit charge. But we have to take this seriously because you could conceivably be looking at 7 to 25 years. 25 years? Uh, all I'm guilty of is bad taste. My cousin Bobby shot a preacher in the back. He got six months for it. Bobby it's shot a preacher? Yeah, you didn't know that? What denomination? A Baptist. Can we discuss like the fate of cousin Bobby later, Larry? I, I think we need to discuss this very seriously. Wow, that's bold. I, I would disagree with that one. I thought she did a great job. She showed that she could act, and maybe she's been acting in her public life always. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, yeah. Well, I can't say anything without getting sued for libel or slander, so I'm going to stop right there uh, in terms of what she might be hiding or, or otherwise uh, uh, <laughs> pretending and acting about. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's my number two there. That's a great movie. I love People versus Life. Oh, yeah. I haven't watched yeah. it in a long time, but um, no, I haven't either. I, mean, I wonder if it holds up. Yeah, that, I mean, that's interesting. You want to put? Yeah, it on the I've list, never but... seen that movie. I've never seen that film. Wow. There was another movie you hadn't seen till recently that you're going to get to later. I'm looking yeah, forward to we'll hearing that a little later. We'll get to that a little later. Yeah, I mean, we'll... yeah. If we want to, if we want to kind of trade picks, I'll toss one in. Then Mike, maybe you could toss one in. Go um, ahead. This is a this is a really tricky question because Travis, you're right. It's it's not easy to get in front of the screen, no matter who you are. Okay, and some of my picks are newcomers and um, inaugural, perform inaugural performances. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I felt bad, right, penciling a couple of these in, but I'll go ahead and announce them anyway because <laughs> in the long run, you know, it, it affects the film and your enjoyment of it. And there's a lot yeah. of young actors that are capable. Uh, so when you pluck someone, like, out of an arcade and put them in a movie, um, it can be a problem. Mm, um, yeah, I know where you're going with this. Yeah, case in point for me is, is Edward Furlong in Terminator 2 Judgment Day. I mean, it's one of the best action movies of all time, but everyone knows that that is just a cringeworthy performance. I mean, he, he is like a, a wet cat throughout the entire film, just making the most horrific sounds and just splattering bad acting all over the place. Uh, but it doesn't topple the picture, but it's, it's rough. Jesus, you're going to kill that guy. Of course, I'm a Terminator. 
you to move very carefully, okay? You're not a Terminator anymore, all right? You got that? You just can't go around killing people. Why? What do you mean, why? Because you can't. Why? Because you just can't, okay? Trust me on this. Wow. Yeah, I could buy that. I have no beef oh, yeah. with that at all. I go right along with that. I mean, but again, he's like a 14 year old kid who's yeah, like, so but yeah, I, right. but that's why yeah. I laughed when you were, when you were saying it, cause this is like, like Hey, we, we picked a segment that's going to make us all feel bad about ourselves for picking on these people. <laughs> 40 year old man getting pissed off at 12 year old kids. Sit on my couch and do nothing with my life and judge. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was 30 years ago next year. So he's an old man now. Jesus. So, yeah. Um, boy. I had a tough time with this too. I thought the idea was great when we talked about it the other day. And then I was like, oh, dude, this is, I don't know. I, who cares? You know, it'd be easier to pick like great roles in bad films. But um, I decided to go with Once Upon a Time in the West. And Ooh. I was actually kind of torn between. I know that the whole point of having Henry Fonda do his thing was to go against type, right? Go, hey, wow. he's usually the nice guy. And he was a bad guy in that film. But it was between him and Charles Bronson. I thought, I love this movie. I love this movie. Yeah. I do. But I kind of feel like Charles Bronson isn't that good in this film. And <laughs> I would argue that maybe that's the same for Henry Fonda because he's trying to do something different. I don't know if he was that believable. So it's kind of a, I'm throwing two at you in the same film. But I really love the movie. So I guess it doesn't affect me in the end. But sometimes, you know, he's just... He's just sitting there. Bronson's sitting there with that stone face, and he's supposed to be a guy. I guess <laughs> words. That's what he does. He's not going to be someone who's going to give you a, a range of performances. I understand that, but I just feel like they could have got someone better in a period of time when there was a lot of great actors available. I, I got, no, I got, no, I've, I've seen the movie, but I got no comment because it's been so long. So uh, I'm going to take your word on that. I, 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 I think that Henry Ford, uh, Henry Fonda was a pretty great actor. Uh, Henry Ford was not a great guy, but Henry Fonda was a pretty great actor. Um, oh, he is a great actor. I have no yeah, beef with that. Yeah, but I, but I mean, I'm just saying, like, I know I never really felt the same about, uh, you know, about Charlie Bronson. Yeah, I mean, I thought Charles Bronson did pretty much what he was supposed to do, being a strong, silent type. But you'll remember, this is one of the first real, like, 180-degree casting choices out of the big studio. Uh, mm. You know, it's Italian film, but uh, everyone was used to Henry Fonda as, you know, the oh shucks, grapes of wrath, you know, uh, Americana ex to the extreme. So when he showed up in that, I, I kind of really enjoyed his performance. Uh, I'd have to take another look at it. But I, if it's a miscasting thing, you know, maybe. But I thought it was interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. And I enjoy the film, like I said, but I find it to be uneven in terms of his believability as somebody who is a ruthless scumbag. Because yeah. it's just in his eyes. And there's a lot of close-up of his, of his eyes in this movie. So. <laughs> but, uh, Jason yeah, Robard. So good oh, Robard's great in this movie. No argument there. Uh, he's in Parenthood, by the way. Do you guys know that? Never saw it. <laughs> Again with the Parenthood. <laughs> uh, Travis, back to you. I know you got more. I, I do. Uh, we talked about five, so I did. I kind of had to beat my head a little bit, but I, I did come up with five. My number three here is uh, a great, great film, no doubt about The Dark Knight being a fantastic movie. Everybody uh -oh. loves The Dark Knight. I would say a Michael Jai White just really just. What are you doing? Like, what are you doing, bud? What are you? Are you? Are you in a high school play? Why? Why did you? Did you? Are you even trying right now? Like, it's it's just. I mean, again, like 
I'm not an actor, but it just it just seems like grossly less good than everybody else he's sharing the screen with, including like you know. Tiny Zeus Lister. <laughs> Tiny Zeus Lister. Hey, he's, he's great in that movie. He's fantastic <laughs> in his limited screen size. Yeah, screen Bill Fickner. Bill Fickner started hey, off. Yeah, there's a lot of great minor, tiny, tiny little roles in that movie. Like Michael J. White, just like, oh, like glaringly bad. Enough from the clown. Let's not blow this out of proportion. You think you could steal from us and just walk away? Yeah. I'm putting the word out. 500 grand for this clown dead a million alive so i can teach him some manners first wow <laughs> yeah, i think you're very uh you're spot on on that i got no beef with that eric <laughs> no I, I i agree i mean you're going up against a titan like Heath ledger and you know you, the guy just is not up to snuff um so yeah um you know it's always a problem when directors try to get themselves into their own movies and, and act when they're not capable performances. I didn't bother putting Tarantino in because everyone knows <laughs> that he just sucks at acting and you give him a pass because the man's a genius and you know, he's just wants to have fun and be in his movie for the sake of it. But yeah, he just wants Shyamalan, to get coked up and look at feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and shoot people in the dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and Shyamalan, he actually yeah. gives himself these meaty roles and he's fucking terrible. Uh, I mean, he's he's most bad in a bad film, Lady in the Water, just atrocious yeah. movie and performance yeah. in it, where he declares himself like the messiah of humanity. It's, but it's, when, when you look at a good movie like Signs, maybe not a great movie, but a really good movie, he just he just fucks up a, what could potentially be a really powerful scene as the as the you know the killer of the uh, man responsible for the death of of Mel Gibson's wife and. Mel's doing his thing and he's got to go up against this guy who might as well do, he, he sounds like he's doing mind readings, like in a casting office, you know, it's, it's yeah. I think it's one thing if you're a, a, an actor and then you, and you, and you direct like Edward Norton directing himself in motherless Brooklyn worked out very nicely. That was, that was great. Um, but like when you, but generally like if you're someone with just not those kind of chops, and it, it like and then like and then you show up in your movie it's it's jarring like it takes yeah. it, it takes me out of it because like i'm like oh, there's m night again um a, a better idea is it's just like i like it better when people like really if they're going to put themselves in there like sneak yourself in there like over the like in a phone call where you're like off screen something like right. that where people can't really tell like i was watching that movie super from 2010 with rain wilson oh yeah and great James, movie. James, James Gunn, Gunn directs. And he shows up for like, like, for like a second, like as a, this devil character, you know, uh, yeah. all in disguise. Like that's that's a good way to do it. Yeah, that's a fun movie. Um, hmm. Yeah, I actually watched Unbreakable the other day, and he's briefly in that, but it's not as mm -hmm. damaging in that movie. Yeah. Um, I have Mr. Daniel Craig in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Wow. <laughs> I okay. love this movie. I love yeah. this movie. And a lot of people don't like it. And people always reference, well, have you seen the Swedish trilogy? Um, I actually haven't. <laughs> and I've got it. I just got it. I'm going to be watching it. So I'm looking forward to watching all three. Um, but he, eh, I just feel like uh, there could have been someone more authentic. You got, you know, Skarsgård. He's authentic in this film. Oh, he's even, great in it. Yeah. Even Plummer does a great job in his role. Yeah. The old Swedish. Even you know, Plummer. Yeah. Well, obviously Plummer <laughs> usually <laughs> does well, but. I, Craig, uh, I don't know. It's not god awful. I'm not saying that. I just feel like there was better opportunities to fit someone in in that role for Fincher to audiences in the U.S. who hadn't heard of people. You know, 
people from Sweden, actors and actresses from Sweden who could have got more opportunity. I would also argue that Robin Wright was really bad in this. And the only credit I will give Daniel Craig is that he didn't affect some type of Swedish accent. He just did his own mm. uh, voice. So. Okay. I haven't seen it since it was new. I liked it, but uh, I, I can't really provide input on that statement. But I do like Daniel Craig. It's a brutal watch. Uh, I watched it recently, and I often wonder, I'm not a woman, and uh, there's some really violent, really violent rape scenes in that film with uh, Rooney Mara. And, mm-hmm. uh, but, but, you know, spoiler alert, she does get revenge, so that makes it kind of gratifying. But it is, I wonder if uh, it would be different. I'd be like, I can't yeah. watch this movie. It's too violent. But I'm sure there's a lot of women who yeah. love the girl with the dragon tattoo because she's supposed to be an inspiring character. I don't right. know. We could do a whole show about that movie. It's an interesting movie. Well, also, spoiler alert, my dog is named after Rooney Mara. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So I got a couple more here. Uh, number four, I think, I think Mike, I told you about this one recently. Um, I, John Voight in Heat. Uh, I, he was maybe... <laughs> It's one of the best movies of all time. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's one of the best wow. movies of the 90s, hands down. But John Voight is so wooden and so just like, like I don't care. You don't care. What? Give me a fucking paycheck. Um, like, he's just like, I just don't. I mean, I'm glad he's barely in the movie, but like, it could have been like a wad of silly putty, silly putty and like, it wouldn't have even really bad. Chris is in my place. You got that hair, you got that wet, that moist hair, that like yeah. wet dog hair. I, I, I mean, love that role. It was Chris. He's gone. What? Said he's going on his own. Went to look for Charlene. Didn't you bring him here? Yeah, I brought him here. What happened? It's a free country, brother. It's really more like the 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 character, like you know the 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 the, uh, the set. You know what I'm looking for? The costume designers. These are the people that really really shined for his character. He didn't <laughs> shit. That's all right. Yeah. yeah, you can't argue with that. I mean, I put this on my I put this up near the top of my list here. And when I did went out and did a little research after the fact, I didn't want to be influenced by anything on Google, but. I got my five and then I jumped online and this is on everyone's list. Uh, Keanu Reeves in Dracula, Bram Stoker's uh, Dracula, yeah. is uh, inexcusable. I mean, I love Keanu Reeves, but as Jonathan Harker, he's like just wandering off the set of Point Break. He's in total like California surfer mode and he's expected to, uh, you know, go toe to toe with some of the grandmasters of cinema, including the Tony Hopkins and, uh, and Gary Oldman, and it's it's a huge misfire, in my opinion. I love Dracula, though. Doctor, you must understand. I doubted everything, even my mind. I was impotent with fear. I know. But, sir, I know where the bastard sleeps. I brought him there, to Carfax Abbey. I think he, I think he was probably right for the role, but, like, he didn't, and I think he could have nailed it, but I think that, yeah, he wasn't at, like, his best in that movie. I don't think he would, yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, I'll, I'll gr- begrudgingly grant that. <laughs> I think you could say the same thing about Winona Ryder in that film. It's really both of them, but, you know, that's another story. With no, um, without Gary Oldman, there's no, there's no fucking, like, yeah. We wouldn't talk about that movie today if it wasn't Gar- for Gary Oldman's performance. Probably right, probably right. Um, uh, let's see, I got one more, I think. Uh, so, 
I've heard this one probably a few times. Maybe you guys have too. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and Scarface. Uh, she's not really uh, bringing it. I didn't think she really brought it in that film. And of course, she was very young and it was one of her first roles. Uh, some people don't think Scarface is a great movie. I definitely think it's a great movie. Just because it was you know, appropriated by every college dormitory for 15 years with posters <laughs> and all that stuff. And, it, you know, hip hop is hip hop is in Scarface are like, you know, peas in a pod together. It's become part of that <laughs> culture too. And I love Scarface, but I just think she's, all she's doing is like being stoned and in a different kind of bland and the way, maybe it's just because Al Pacino is so good in that film. And even Stephen Bauer is really real solid in that. So I, I like everybody else's role and I love seeing, Anybody who can kind of put themselves into a role where they kind of get lost in it. Michelle Pfeiffer didn't do that in this movie. I One of my favorite actresses used to be Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio. She's mm. so beautiful and interesting and unique. And she always played these different characters. And she absolutely outshines Michelle Pfeiffer as in her like ornamental role. And what I find a very very fucking bland and, and, and kind of a boring movie, Scarface. But Tedious. Tediously long. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. Oh, man, I can watch it. I love watching it. Three hours and half hours, uh, it flies by. No. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Eric on this one. Like, I, I find I never see that movie again for the rest of my life. I think I'll be all right. Like, I've seen it a few times, and, like, it's it's not good. bad. It's not bad, but, I, I, yeah, I'm set. I'm good. I've, I've had oh, my fill on it that. It takes you to a place in time. It's so great. It puts you in the 80s. I don't want to be there. It's always... <laughs> Well, if you don't want to be there, that's fine. That makes sense. But I love going back to that time period. You know, uh, the whole, the whole boat. Uh, what do they call? Wow, oh, crap! What was it? Yeah. The, uh, no, the um, when Castro shipped off a bunch of his so-called criminals from the boat thing. I forgot. It's based on that real event that happened in right. 1980. I can't well, forgot based, the name of it. It's based on the other Scarface movie, also from like 31 or whatever. It's based on a lot of things, but, you know, Oliver Stone wrote the screenplay. You know, we don't have to talk about the movie itself, but uh, I, thought, yeah, yeah, that guy. I thought she uh, she was pretty boring in that movie. So. Yeah, well, I, I I think I remember that being pretty much the case with her. Um, I have one left. Um, Mike, I think I've told you this before, and I believe you took issue with it then. I imagine you'll take issue with it now. Uh, it's And, and like, I, I, I don't really... Like, I can't back it up. I can't, like, point to anything technical or specific that she's doing wrong, especially, again, because she's an actor. I am not. Um, but uh, in Almost Famous, I, I find Kate Ooh. Hudson... I find wow. Kate, Kate Hudson just not great. I find her just out of place and just, like... Uh, I, it's like, what are you doing in this movie is how I feel <laughs> most of the time. That I'm, and I know I'm in the minority opinion. I know most people just love her in that movie. Um, and, and I'm happy that people enjoy her... You sure? Ask me again. Do you want to come? Yes, yes. Gotta call me. Okay. It's all happening. Um, enjoy her experience. Enjoy, the, enjoy that experience. But for me, like when she's just like looking into the camera and stuff, I'm like, look, look, look away from the camera. What are you doing, <laughs> Fallon? What are you doing right now? <laughs> My last one. Wow. Yeah, I love Almost Famous. One of my favorite movies. Uh, by the way, it was the, it was the Marielle Boatlift. I want to make that clear so people know that oh. we know what we're talking about on this show. But right. that was a real event to happen. But yes, yeah, uh, I know you're not, you're not ripping on the movie itself. And, you know, in her, in her role, it's, 
I've been mesmerized by it, but maybe it's not as good as uh, I think it is. I'll have to go back and look at it with a fresh set of eyes now that I've heard this. I, I'm open to my uh, changing my mind. Ask yourself, does it hold up? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Listen, I couldn't tell you one Kate Hudson performance that I've actually enjoyed. I just find the woman to be pretty. Seems like a really nice person. But I, I, she's, she's kind of a boring actress to me. I'm sorry. What about Fool's I mean, Gold? You don't love that movie? No. Oh, I mean, okay. I, think that there's a, I think that there's a lot of actors who are just incredibly talented whose parents are both actors or one parent is an actor. Yeah. And, then I think that, and I think that there's, like, you know, that there's some actors that, like, end up in the business and it's like, if your parents were actors, <laughs> you'd be fucking selling cars in Albuquerque right now. Yep. Wow. You know, I've got, I'll just run down. I've got such a bold choice that I might, I'm worried that we'll lose fans and stuff if I bring it up. So wow. I don't know. Should I or shouldn't I? You should. Do it. definitely should. I'll do the less jarring one first, which is Wiley Wiggins in Days of Confused. <laughs> yeah, that's kid. a great one. That's a great one. Yeah. Um, I can't stand that fucking kid, but I love Days of Confused. Yeah. Who the fuck um, is Wiley Wiggins? I don't he's the guy who plays the kid in Days of Confused. Kid? Like the oh. main kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's the long hair. Look yeah, really, it looks like a woman of the 70s. No, that's actually that's a really good call. Yeah, that, that kid, I just so so dumb. Um sorry, I mean, Wiley. This isn't like a big surprise. This isn't the big one, but like Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher are both atrocious in the original Star Wars. Everyone knows that. I love Carrie Fisher. She's she's a America's treasure, but they're both that bad that bad in that film. Okay. That's not even the big one. Okay. Um now, the big ones, email the podcast, prove me wrong, but I'm sorry. I don't care for Daniel Radcliffe, and that's why I don't really like the Harry Potter films, because I think he's kind of a really bad actor, even when he was a kid, and even all the way up until part seven with the Deathly Hollows, He mm. does nothing for me. I'm bored anytime this person is on screen. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. I mean, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I... I think that is a controversial take, but I'm not going to argue with you on it. I mean, I, I, I like his work okay. I liked Horns a lot. I like uh, Guns Akimbo. Um, I haven't seen Swiss Army Man, but I hear good things. So I think he's got good work in him. So if you're basing it mostly just on um, Harry Potter, maybe that's not his best stuff. Yeah, he, did uh, a, he did a great job in this. I only saw it once. I was at Steve Giles house and he was watching this thing with the, uh, I think it was like John Hamm and him, and it's based on like a story of a real doctor in Russia back in like the 1920s or some shit, and it was really good. It's a short like series. It's not like a it's like an anthology thing. It was great. So yeah. he he can be good. Well, I'm not gonna try and convince you that your that your take is wrong though. I mean, like if you don't think it was good, you don't think it was good. Um, I've never seen more than two Harry Potter movies, so I don't I can't. You speak don't need on. to. I mean, <laughs> yeah. read the books, read the books, but the movies can whatever. Oh, okay. And that is that it, Eric? Is that everything? That's all of them. Okay. All right. All that I wasn't got. that jarring. That wasn't that jarring. I think you did a fine oh, job. Fine. You could. I don't think we lost any fans, but you never know if there's Harry Potter hardcore fans listening and you want to protest, take offense, and go after Eric personally. Mail <laughs> us. <laughs> my family. Cinema Nine Pod. Cinema Nine Pod. Cinema Numerical Nine Pod at protonmail.com. Send us an email or you know slide in the DMs on Instagram, Twitter, whatever you got to do. We're available. Come at me, bro. Come at him, bro. 2008. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into it. It's time now. Does it hold up? Oh, 19, 1998's Out of Sight. 
Well, does this make any sense to you? Doesn't have to. It's something that happens. It's like seeing someone for the first time. Like you could be passing on the street and and you look at each other and for a few seconds there's this kind of a, a recognition. Like you both know something. The next moment the person is gone. And and it's too late to do anything about it. And you always remember it because it was there and you let it go. And you think to yourself, what if I had stopped? What if I had said something? What if? What if? It may only happen a few times in your life. This is a film directed by Steven Soderbergh in a really, really wild time, a great time for him because he was on a roll mm-hmm. in this period. The, the Limey came out the next year. Traffic came out the year after that. Uh, he really took the opportunity for this movie to be his foray into mainstream, more yeah. mainstream, because he was more of an art house guy, indie oh, yeah. kind of movie fella before this film. So it stars George Clooney, of course, Jennifer Lopez, and Don Cheadle. It's got a great cast. Travis, when was the last time you saw this movie? And if you if it's been a while, what was your initial response to watching it? Well, um, it had been quite some time since I'd seen it. I mean, I, I would guess early 2000s, like really early 2000s is probably the last time I watched it. And when, and when it came out in 98, like I loved it. Like I had, the, I had the movie poster on my door for a long time. Like I thought it was a really good movie and I watched it a lot for a few years. Um, but then I didn't watch it for a long time. It held a good place in my heart. And I figured that going in, I thought like, okay, this is going to be a good experience. And it was. Um, it was an entertaining experience. Um, you know, I, I, I usually have like a few couple pages of notes. There was only, I only got one page of notes here. There's maybe not a ton there that like to the movie. There's not a lot there in, in all at all, to be, to be honest, but it is a fun movie. And it's an entertaining movie. And, um, and I'm glad I watched it again, but if I don't watch it for another 20 years, that I won't, that'll be okay. Ooh. All right. That's interesting. What about you, Eric? You got to remember in 1998, there wasn't really anything like this in terms of the technical aspects of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, these freeze frames, these long dissolves and these jump cuts. We hadn't really seen anything like that. So I remember the direction really standing out to me. I yeah. never heard even Soderbergh. Okay. I didn't see Sex Lies in Videotape or Kafka or Schizopolis. But when I saw this, I, I thought this was a real special film. I enjoyed it, had fun, haven't seen it in about 20 years, uh, but it was a good play for me, you know, uh, the type that you could wander into the kitchen, grab a snack, and not have to pause it, you know, it's one of those, <laughs> but really, you know, it's like a good, it's like a good record on the player, something on in the background that's fun, enjoyable, and you really can't complain about, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm positive here. I'm not, you know, don't yeah. think this is negativity. It's just, Same. it's just a cool movie, interesting, important, fun, but a little inconsequential for me, but fun movie. I'm glad I watched it. Well, on IMDb, it gets a 7.0 out of 10 stars, another rock solid score, and Rotten Tomatoes, 93% from the critics, 74% wow. from the audience. So a little more of a disparity than some of the recent films like Donnie Darko and Wonder Boys that we have done. Yeah. Some, some of the commentary initial responses to this film by people who are paid to do this sort of thing. Um, The movie is wonderfully (laughs) cast. It has the strongest bench of any movie this year with Albert Brooks and Don Cheadle in key supporting roles. That's, that's solid. I would agree with a lot of that. Uh, Also out of sight is slick in all the right ways. That's David Edelstein of slate. And then there's the Washington post. that says the characters all seem to have known each other for years. 
referring to long held grudges and yeah, it's so beautiful. Referring to long held grudges and resentments that only gradually are revealed to the audience. Hmm. So uh, generally positive, and of course, this is an Elmore Leonard novel originally. Yeah, and we've got the fascinating connection of Michael Keaton playing the same character from Jackie Brown, which is another Elmore Leonard novel, popping into this film as Ray Nicolette and. I thought that was pretty cool. I remember I didn't really notice that as much when I saw this movie originally because I don't know if I saw Jackie Brown when it came out, but now I love Jackie Brown. And I think in the world of the MCU and the you know integrated universe, it's kind of a cool thing that happened way before its time. Yeah, there was a straight up Elmore Leonard verse, um, starting with um, with with Get Shorty, and we have Scott Frank returning as as the the adapter of that book for um, for Out of Sight. In fact, it's, 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 got, it's Scott Frank is a screenwriter again, and, and you have Barry Levinson producing again. You have the, mm-hmm. the, the team of Shamberg, Scher, and DeVito producing mm-hmm. again. So it's, it's very much a, uh, a sequel to, to Get Shorty, although Jackie Brown had already come out and kind of was a sequel too. And Be Cool would come out a few years later, which I would not bother to see. Thank you very much. Um, but this, this was, yeah, this was something different because it really felt like, uh, like it was connected to that universe while also being its own thing. And Eric, I do agree also with your comments about um, the direction, like it's just being, now the freeze frames and stuff, honestly, I find today a little off-putting, but at the time, um, overall, the direction of the movie was just so slick, and paired with that score, who I can't find the uh, the cinematographer or the uh, composer right now. I was looking, but uh, the, the 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 pairing of the score and that direction was just made for a re- and those performances all together just made for a really fucking slick movie. Well, yeah, this is training ground for all the Ocean's Eleven films that he would do a few years later. You can see Precisely. some of that in this film. Yeah, there's not a lot of movies that can make you feel like you know you're wearing an expensive suit or you're wearing really expensive cologne it just makes you feel really cool and chilled out collateral does it uh the oceans film do it for me but uh i love the vibe this puts me in you know it's just a fun movie to just throw on and chill um you look at an elmore leonard adaptation like jackie brown which i think is maybe twice as good as this personally those characters you're scared for when they're in danger you're scared even if you've seen it a million times a, mo- a picture like out of sight you know i have to expect someone to you know bail them out if they do go into jail you know two minutes later i expect you know the, the gun to be empty it, it, it's a very safe safe movie for me in terms of the character work but i think the movie knows that about itself in, in the character interaction so i'm not bothered by it Unless you're white boy Bob going up a flight of stairs with a gun in your hand. Not that safe for him. <laughs> yeah. You know, J-Lo deserves a lot of credit. She did a really good job in this film. She didn't, um, she stayed within the character quite well. She's very strong. You believe that she's strong. She's a tough woman in a job that is a violent job at times, if, if it's called for. And apparently Sandra Bullock almost got the role for this. Uh, Steven yeah. Soderbergh said that, he loved Soderbergh. He loved uh, Bullock and Clooney together, but it was just wasn't for a Elmore Leonard film. So I'm really glad that J Lo got the role. This also spawned a TV series called Karen Cisco in 2003 that lasted for one season uh, with Carla Giugino. It didn't last, Oof. but uh, I've yeah, never seen it. You guys, anybody ever seen I, that show? I didn't. I didn't even hear about it. It only had six episodes aired. It sounds like they didn't really give it a chance. Um, although <laughs> I. 
I, I, Robert Forster also in, in Dennis Farina's role. It sounded like it could have been pretty good. But yeah, Jennifer Lopez, um, you know, I'd seen her like in Money Train and a couple things before then. But this was this was about <laughs> Anaconda. Really, and, and Anaconda. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, like like Anaconda was was not it was I mean, it was not a good movie. But for her career, it, it didn't hurt her career at all. And then this this followed up with that and pretty much. Within a couple of years, she's dating Ben Affleck, and like the music is a thing, and like she, and like people are uh, fucking sick of her because in her ten thousand dollar face cream or whatever. Like you know, this was right on the cusp of her being annoyingly famous. Yeah, this um, was after a U turn. I liked her in U turn too. Oh yeah, she was great in U turn. That's that U turn's a good movie. I think I lost. Yeah, lost in the shuffle. She's yeah. a tough character, a tough female character, without having to, you know. Yeah. I, I want to put it delicately, you know, without having to like do all of these, you know, really strong things. She, she, she exudes like a, a strength, you know, she's an authority figure, but she's, she's muted. She's hushed when she has to be, she doesn't feel the need to like flex your muscles, I guess is one way of putting it. But uh, you believe her in her role. She's, she's sweet when she needs to be. She's very sexy when she needs to be. And, you know, she's funny. She does well with, what is pretty tough, tricky dialogue, poetic type of dialogue. Um, you know, that first scene when she hooks up with George Clooney in the trunk, it'd be easy to s just say, I don't believe this relationship. This is like dog shit. This, is, this woman's been trained for, for years. And then this dirty, gross smelling guy behind her is all of a sudden going to pick her yeah. up. But yeah. it's, she's so charming in it. And she just says, you know, they reference the, Three days in the condor. Brilliant. Three days in the condor. And she says, oh, you know, I never understood why they hooked up. It didn't make sense, which is the same thing that's going on in this movie. So right. you get like this tongue in cheek thing that just makes everything fun. Yeah, I thought that was a brilliant little move, like a meta kind of thing that Three Doors of the Three, three Days of the Condor reference. But what really did a lot of heavy lifting was the conversation when they meet up later in the hotel so bar. Good. And which is a, a brilliant scene, and then the, leading oh, into an amazing love uh, scene with the, the interspersion between the two, the, the editing between the two, it just it's the, maybe the highlight of the movie. Um, but that, but the conversation that they have, where he's like talking about, because like up until that conversation, I was kind of being like, yeah, I don't know, this, this, I don't get this relationship, right. like I, I don't get it. And then he, then he starts talking about how like you know that that whole thing where like if you see someone once, you know, like. And you have that what if moment, you know, and how many times in your life do you have that kind of thing where that person feels it too and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, this is a love story too. I kind of, it kind of gets lost in the caper and the, and the, and the, and the cool crime bits going on. But yeah, it, yeah. Is, it is a, it is a good love story too. Once, once you uh, maybe suspend a little bit of disbelief. Huh. I really think it's more of a, the love story kind of dominates the caper and I kind of like the caper part of it a lot more. Although I'm, you know, I'm down with a love story. Of course I am. And they do it where it's not like in your face and overindulgent. I think it's blended in nicely to the story. And I really love her. JLo's relationship with Dennis Farina as her father is so yeah. authentic to me. I, I could just imagine that this is these people who they don't know how to express themselves any other way than to buy them each other guns and talk about <laughs> criminals and crime it's such a unique relationship that i buy into it completely and it's always a joy to see dennis farina and that was one of the things too that i liked about the movie as far as it being like uh, uh an inheritor to to get shorty you have so many other people like 
like popping in. I, I guess um, the Albert Brooks role almost was going to go to Danny DeVito, which would have been fun. But I, it is it was also a lot of fun having Albert Brooks in that role too. Oh um, yeah, he's fantastic in this movie. Anything I love Albert Brooks. He Drive, uh, his earlier the, films, anything you put him your on life. screen, I'm watching. Yeah, I love that movie. I do too. It's God, I love Albert Brooks, and he's willing to make fun of himself all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when it comes to white collar criminals, this is pre Madoff too. Yeah, I mean, Dick, the, he's uh, Dick the Ripper. Character. Dick yeah. the Ripper is a great name. But we, but we gotta talk. We gotta talk about George. Let's let's talk for a minute here about George Clooney coming off of. This is the year after the um, People's Sexiest Man of the Year. He's you know, he's on the cover of the magazine. This dude's. This is the kind. This is the kind of Hollywood star that this guy is. He's not dying his hair. He's like 37, 38 in this movie, and he's salt and pepper, and he's just rocking it. And he's so slick and so uh, he's so fucking movie star and cool in that movie. And, and I know I kind of gushed about him last uh, episode, so I don't need to go too much more into that. But, but he really, really is like bona fide movie star in this movie. And as I was watching it, I was like. Oh yeah, this is why I carried a fucking zipper around for like three or four years, flicking it around, <laughs> thinking I'm super Joe Cool, fucking <laughs> like Jack Foley. <laughs> wow, that is a revealing moment. Thank you, Travis. Um, yeah. I remember that zippo. Uh, you know, this goes back full circle for all of us. For those of you who listen to our show from start to finish so far, we've had the debate about. Warren Beatty, good actor, bad actor? Uh, George Clooney, is he a Warren Beatty? Our friend Chad emailed us a couple weeks ago about the Beatty-Clooney connection. And then you have it in the trunk where Clooney talks about Warren Beatty and Bonnie <laughs> Clyde and the Clyde Barrow and the movie with Faye Dunaway. It comes full circle. The part in the movie where they get shot when it's uh, Warren Beatty and uh, 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 Faye Dunaway. Dunaway. Yeah, I like it in that movie about TV. Yeah, yeah, she was good. Yeah. That guy who says he's not going to take any more shit from anybody. Peter Finch. Yeah, Peter Finch. Not take any, uh, uh, mad as hell, and I'm not going to take any more of your shit. You know, that part where they get shot, I remember thinking to myself, that would be such a bad way to go if you had to. I was like, wow, yeah, it blew my mind. I was like, this is perfect. I, I thought we should just close down the podcast forever after this, but we'll keep going. <laughs> we'll keep doing the show. Yeah, this is it. No, but you're right. Uh, <laughs> he is so rock solid in this film. And I had the exact same thought. I'm like, wow, he's already got like gray hair. And he's, this is 22 years ago. Um, now he still looks just as good. It's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a little weird. I mean, listen, for me, he has yet to shake off kind of that bumptious cockiness like aren't i fucking so amazing after he says a line kind of thing he's got but you know for this it it works and there's no denying he was catapulted to start him after this a year after fucking batman and robin we're talking about one of the worst movies of all time so yep. how you come back from that and and go into this originally written for a you know an older the character is supposed to be a lot older i think he's maybe 30 38 around our age mm. when he did this but i mean it doesn't get much better. It doesn't get more, you know, like some of the best romance you'll see in a movie since, since Ghost, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I mean, the man is, is charming. He's spellbinding. He's funny. And uh, I'd say top five Clooney roles for sure. Oh, I yeah. think so too. And I think it's, and that was another thing that kind of struck me about the movie is like all of these guys are like in their, 
they're mid late thirties. Like it's, they're all kind of like in their prime. Even Ving Rhames was like not even quite 40 here yet. Uh, which just made me feel old for one. Um, but also it's just kind of like, this was such an introductory, like an introduction to a lot of these. Like it was the first thing I remember seeing Don Cheadle in, for instance, which now I think I would have a hard time seeing him like as a villain because he seems like such a nice guy. Um, mm. But, but it was, I mean, like it was, it was a movie that, you know, I, I don't remember seeing Don Cheadle before that, except for maybe, I guess, um, Boogie Nights. He was in that the year before, right? Maybe, um, I guess. Yeah, come on. Well, maybe you didn't see Boogie Nights first. It's possible. So. Uh, I, I can't, it was certainly around the same time where he was like establishing himself. Um, um, yeah. Well, I think that this cast deserves a lot of uh, praise and credit. Yeah. It goes deep. You know, we talked about Albert Brooks as Dick the Ripper. He's awesome. Uh, he's he's uh, cunning, but he acts stupid when he needs to. And he wears that great wig. That's a killer. Killer fake ruggy out on there i really enjoyed that and then by the way um murphy's partner from robocop is like his woman there in the affair at the end of the movie yeah nancy ellen Ellen shows up at the end that was that was a delight (laughs) that was she's getting kind of naked too i'm like what this is weird yeah isaiah washington being creepy in that oh particular yeah yeah. so you got isaiah washington's a scumbag i love when j-lo serves his ass up oh yeah when they tussle yeah oh yeah you want to tussle yeah (laughs) oh my god i mean that you know, is for wild me, shit. I think some of the best acting of the movie comes out of, surprisingly enough, good old Steve Zahn. Yeah, studs. Studs. Yeah, yeah, About he studs. does really good. He has a right. He has a wide variety of emotions that his character actually careens through, unlike a lot of the people in the movie that just kind of hum along smoothly. And right. it's also really nice that he just like gets away. And it's funny that she lets him get away in a way that she doesn't let Jack Foley get away. But still, it's nice that he gets away. Yeah, it is. And then you got you got Luis Guzman who's coming back after Jack Foley when, when they escape from the prison. And then Catherine Keener's his ex-wife, you know, Jack Foley's ex-wife. This is a very deep roster of very talented people. And then, for me personally, I love the fact that it has truly authentic Detroit scenery. We, we're all born and raised in Michigan. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. The fact that they have the 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 famous scene in this is the Ren Center scene, the Renaissance Center, oh, yeah. the biggest building in the center of Detroit, oh, yeah. right on the river, and where they yeah. have the bar, and she blows off the three ad executives because they're just annoying because all she wants is Jack <laughs> Foley. And then you can see the snow falling outside, and then the, the reflection in the glass. It's a really, really beautiful scene. So I think it does deserve its credit. But there's remember, also – go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, I'm sorry. I, I was going to say, remember in the early 2000s, like – after this, every time a movie took place in Detroit, it was blue. It's like literally an eight <laughs> Narc! mile. Narc! 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 In yep. Narc in eight mile. Yeah. Fucking blue. Detroit yep. blue. Yeah, cold hell there. Blue. Yep. Yeah, and, 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 and even in this movie, it doesn't get away from me. Like the rest of the movie, like wherever they're at, like, but this is like, it's all snow. Like, okay, of course it has to take place during the dead of fucking winter. Of course it does. <laughs> right, but at least it wasn't blue. That's a good, that's a really good yeah. point, Eric. I, you're right. I always think of NARC and those, yeah, the whole blue NARC. filter on that movie. Yeah. And, Great movie, and, by and, the way. And in part of, yeah, I, I did have to ask myself if part of the uh, affection that I have for Out of Sight isn't that it's filmed in Detroit, seeing like the state theater, like having shots filmed in the state theater, be like, oh, I've stood right there, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, feeling when you watch it, you know. Right, yeah, rest um, in peace, state theater, now the Fillmore. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Right. But that's really there- a real place. And oh, so is Kronk's Gym. Kronk's Gym is a famous gym, a boxing gym where. Very famous trainers and boxers trained in Detroit once upon a time. So it's all really authentic. And Elmore Leonard, 
lived in Detroit, grew up in Detroit in the Michigan area. So, Oh, see, I didn't know that. that yeah. He even went to university of Detroit apparently. And he was a shitty salesman before he became a, became a novelist. So, hmm. um, I want to talk a little bit more about Don Cheadle because this is a guy who, this is a really interesting actor. And I don't think anyone, he's a slight dude. He's like, looks like he'd seem like you could blow this guy over, but yeah, when he's in movies and he's this good, He's fucking like he always seems really fucking dangerous and and a little bit scary and unpredictable. He is so good at playing these kind of roles, funny, but really fucking creepy and dangerous too. Uh, I think Snoopy Miller is one of his best performances. Period. I mean, I, th- I think he's great in this role, but like, I, like again, like I, I just see him as such a teddy bear. Like even as War Machine, I'm like, oh, you're such a, you're such a nice guy. I want like I want to like share ice cream with him. Uh, you know, like. He just seems like a big sweetheart. You want to share ice cream with him? Wow. Yeah, he's no, like the kind, of, like kind of guy you sit down and have some soft serve with, you know. <laughs> to, me, to me, it seems like you'd just be enjoying some ice cream, but he'd have some, like, ulterior motives. Like, as soon as you're done with your ice cream cone, he's going to shoot you in the face or something. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think he would. I don't think he jeopardized his film career. Well, Snoopy <laughs> Miller. At least he plays Snoopy Miller like that. You know, he takes oh, yeah, a fake yeah, punch yeah. and goes down like a baby. So he kind of met your needs on that front. But then he shivs that guy and he shows that he's a tough son of a bitch. So he's scary. He is scary in this movie. You know, he's, he's a fish. I thought Isaiah Washington was much more scary than him. But yeah, I did too. Yeah. And also, like you said, White Boy Bob is like the comic relief of this movie, which it almost seems like it doesn't fit. It, I don't. It, I got a few laughs out of sometimes, but then other times I'm like, just get this guy out of my face. I mean, I know this guy's, he's a dunce. I get it, but. I mean, yeah, but Glenn is kind of, I mean, Glenn or Studs is kind of serving as, as, as a little comic relief too, I guess, which is, is working. But I, I, yeah, White Boy Bob is definitely the, the most disposable character, but he's got the most memorable death. So go figure. But he really did seem like, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but White Boy Bob seems like authentic. Detroit white boy to me and that yeah. part I really appreciate I'm like I swear I've known a guy like that I mean not like a giant guy who would kick my ass and then shoot himself in the head but just a doofus I don't know it's hard to explain it's hard to describe but I it felt really authentic and I really appreciate that about the movie and the fact that we're all from Michigan I'm sure that will always be a reason why maybe I like this movie a little bit more I can't deny that but beyond that factor yeah, I just think it's a fun. I think this movie is nonstop fun. I love all the slick directing. I have no problem with it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't minimize it for me at all at this point. I, oh no. I, well, I mean, you guys said earlier that like, well, this was you. The freeze frame was a little tired for you. I think you said so. Well, I, yeah, I, I don't like the freeze frame, but I do like the slickness of the direction. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Well, yeah. You know, um, the fact that he uses the filter, you know, Soderbergh's the master of using multiple different filters in setting oh, yeah. scenery. Like in traffic, he masters yeah. it. You know, that's the master of that. But even in this movie, when they go back to the uh, Lompoc, the Florida prison, and, you know, Clooney's a lot more bright-faced and red and sunshiny. And you, you can tell when he's switching um, periods, so it doesn't make it confusing. Yeah, that does help. Um, I th- yeah, I think the direction is just outstanding. And, uh, um, and it is super slick, and sometimes it could get easy to, like, like, you know, dismiss it, but there's an authenticity to the movie too. Like you say, there's, there's, there's like this, there's this, there is a believable, there's this moment in it, for instance, when, uh, when, he, when Clooney comes out and he takes off his, he, he takes off his tie and he, and he throws it on the, on the ground, like you know, he comes out of Dick the Ripper's uh, building and like, and, he, and the people that are walking by, like they, they glance at him and they, they kind of like give him a weird look, like, what's this crazy guy doing? And like, I remember as I watched that scene, I'm like, 
it's so nice to see extras directed to respond to, to the crazy thing that the protagonist is doing because all the fucking time you watch something and like someone could like tear their goddamn head off and turn it into a basketball and everyone's just like walking around them like nothing's going on. Like why was, why is this happening? So it's, yeah, it's little things. It's a little things. That's a great point. Yeah. It's about time somebody directed extras properly. Fucking A. Uh, well, hey, if you guys... Go, Go uh, if you guys have seen Out of Sight and you watched it so you could follow along with us, uh, let us know what you thought of the movie. Yeah. Cinema 9 Pod, ProtonMail.com. Hit us on Instagram, Cinema 9 Pod, Twitter, Cinema 9 Pod. Facebook, of course, Cinema 9 Pod. I forgot to mention Facebook, too. We are available on there. If you haven't watched Out of Sight yet, hopefully you haven't listened to this yet because we're going to spoil a lot of things. We don't even say spoilers because it's implied. If we are putting a title of a movie on a pod episode, it's likely we'll talk about the film in detail. So. We look forward to hearing back from anybody on this. Uh, any closing thoughts on other side? Is there anything we missed, guys? You have to give so much credit to Scott Frank for this script. He won yeah. the Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay, but he takes so many characters and he, you know, he makes them human beings. And I always like these crime movies. You know, I like crime comedies that that make the criminals into like real people and not just these. Uh, you know, men dressed in black with dark hats with evil intentions. The script does such a great do job of humanizing these characters. You know, they stop in the elevator, let the old people on, do their thing, even though it takes all the fucking time in the world and they got to deal with it and it's another obstacle. But, but all the characters, they, they feel human. They'll ta talk to each other, have intimate conversations. They got their own lives to deal with. Ving Rhames with his sister and, and Steve Zahn's character are probably one of the only meal, meaningful character arcs in the story for me personally. Yeah. The anguish on his face when he sees what he's done in, in, in a movie like this where it, it can easily seem kind of like this disposable fun, uh, it says a lot. And a lot of that comes in the writing. So he also wrote Logan, got the Oscar for Logan, adapting that. So walk, and a walk among the tombstones, which is not a bad movie. I, you don't say. I heard horrible. I heard no, it's, it's, it's not bad. I never at all. saw it. Okay, all right. Um, I would I would say um, watching this movie, a reminder that Jack Foley is a snitch. He totally snitches on Louise Guzman's character <laughs> and sells his ass right the fuck out. Um, worth worth mentioning, and also worth mentioning that Louise Guzman has the phrase. <clears throat> I gotta go make pee pee in this movie, which um, maybe is the, the dear dialogue speaking, the low point of the film. But all in all, does it hold up for me? Yeah, this is a really fun romp about home invasion. I would, um, it's 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 got its it's got its moments, um, and it's it's this cast is outstanding for nothing else besides, if not the slick direction, if not the great score, if not the chemistry be between the, the main stars, you have just a, it's like a nonstop like barrage of, of like uh, really talented actors in, in the prime of their life, just like paraded through this movie. So it's, it's fun for that. Yep. Yeah. I, I would say that holds up quite well. And then again, I'm going to be biased because I've always loved this movie and it's rarely changed. Uh, I'm surprised we actually, this ended up being a movie we focused on. I'm, we lucked into it and I'm grateful for the opportunity because the casting is great. The storytelling is wonderful. The direction is wonderful. The writing's fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, the honesty in the film is, like we said, it's authentic. It's funny. I have laughs. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's about real issues in life. People taking advantage of each other. Like you said, 
Jack Foley is a snitch, but then he got sold out by Buddy, and that's why Buddy feels guilty. And so it's like right. this never-ending. And then Studs bails on him. You got every <laughs> yeah. character seems to show their that they're human, that they are frail, and they fear. Maybe except Snoopy Miller, he he seems to be pretty tough. But even Snoopy Miller is kind of a coward because he ducks and he throws fights. So everybody has flaws in this film, and yes. I think in the end that's pretty relatable, and that's why I love this movie. All right, so it holds up. We all agree, pretty much. I think so. All right, wonderful, wonderful news. It is wonderful. Oh, by the way, uh, and Sam Jackson's at the very end too. He, him, and um, Michael Keaton did their roles for free, apparently. Yeah, yeah that's, that's great. True. A little fun that's fact great. for you. All right, so that was our does it hold up segment. We've done it again. Next week, which movie are we doing? Yeah, Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth. Is it Pan or Pan? Pan. I, are you Pan. American? Pons Lab. <laughs> Don't do that again, Mike. Pons Lab. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like we're Alan doing. <laughs> oh, hello. You reach Alan Rickman. All right. Yeah, we are doing uh, Pons Lab in next week, a 2006 <laughs> film from is Guillermo this, del Toro. Like a, is this a Spanish accent, Mexican accent? What's, what's, what is this? <laughs> Where are you from, Mike? <laughs> yeah, what is happening? Uh, yeah, next week we'll be doing Pan's Labyrinth, and it's from 2006 by Guillermo del Toro. So if you want to follow along with us next week's episode, watch it in the next week, and you can follow along. Should be fun. How about an email, guys? We got an email from uh, our old buddy Chad. The mysterious Chad is back, and he has some interesting thoughts on Donnie Darko. He says, highly enjoyed the conversation about Donnie Darko. When this movie came out, I too spent hours discussing it, and theorizing the time travel aspect and picking through hidden clues in the film's mysterious website. Hmm. Mm. I didn't, we didn't talk about the mysterious yeah, website. Yeah, I, I didn't know there was one. Defunct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think your conclusions were spot on, though. This is a film about teenage mental health. Donnie's delusions are just that. I often wonder why the character of Jim Cunningham was in the movie at all, except for entertainment purposes. During my last viewing, however, it seemed the obvious answer was staring us all right in the face this whole time i think donnie was molested by jim when he was a child mm. wow th this explains almost everything in the movie from his visceral reactions i think you're the antichrist now you know where he lives burn it to the ground etc to his subconscious desire to go back in time and protect people replacing the bad images with good ones great movie and great conversation keep up the good work chad thoughts yeah, that it, it never occurred to the three of us, right? I didn't say no, it. No, I didn't, it didn't think it all of it. Yeah. I don't I, I don't know that I agree with it. I think it's an interesting idea. I always got the impression um when I watched the movie that I thought that that Jim Cunningham was like new in town, was like a new celebrity and that's and that's why the excitement was uh going on around him generally speaking and now you know where he lives so for now you know where he lives because like if he'd lived there for a decade or whatever wouldn't wouldn't you it's a small enough town you probably would have known where the only celebrity lives so i i don't i don't think that i don't i don't personally think that that's i think it's an interesting idea but i also think that like it's a little dangerous to like well not dangerous well i don't know i don't, I don't like like putting too fine a point oh you had mental illness well it must have been a, a trauma that happened to you like that's not that's not the way it works right like i mean not necessarily that's I mean, true I think it's, I, it's an interesting theory i think it's an interesting theory i mean and, and i and i do like that the movie like stokes these kinds of discussions and that kind of stuff these kind of theorizing for decades now that's great i 
I did always wonder why in his, you know, quackpot hypnotherapy session that he, he said that uh, he burned the pervert's house down. Now, how did he know? He, yeah, he's a charlatan, but uh, how did he know that he's this sick fucking pervert? A and B, mm, oh, that's, that's really the only, point. you know, that may be the only good thing that came out of the hypnotherapy anyways, digging that out of his subconscious that she could have worked with, but probably didn't, <laughs> probably didn't follow <laughs> up on. <laughs> mm. Quack that she is, but no, that's a good point. Yeah, he does call him a pervert. You're right. Yeah, think that's that. interesting. That's pretty Ooh, that's interesting, man. That well, definitely puts a, a notch in Chad's column. Nice one, Chad. Chad, that was a fantastic email. We really appreciate that. You have spurred honest conversation. Now, we don't all have to agree with you, but what matters most is you've inspired us to think, and that's what matters most. I don't know if it's real accurate. I could buy it. I could buy it, but Travis's point is fair, too. You know, it does seem like he just kind of showed up on the scene like he was kind of a traveling, somewhat quasi-national bullshit celebrity type thing and um you know he's playing golf like hey welcome to the golf course that's new when they see donnie waking up on the green that one morning things like that yeah i, I kind of believe what travis says but i also combine what chance saying i'm i'm kind of torn i'm not sure where to go the ambiguity of the movie is one of its greatest strengths oh it'll last for fucking ever that's the ambiguity of that film is like its biggest quality that will never go away. Yeah. Let's jump back into it. So what was the deal with that fucking uh, <laughs> portal number at the end? Hour number two. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chad, for emails. If you guys have emails, cinnamonidepod at protonmail.com. We love to read them and talk about them. And now time to close the show with our favorite segment. Well, I don't know if it's everyone's favorite segment, but it might be someone's favorite segment. It's time for quarantine picks. We're still in quarantine. It's two months. It'll be about two months uh, tomorrow in the next couple of days. That yeah. Or at least Michigan started shutting down. So as two months drags on and it'll be more months, hopefully, I don't know. I might go back to work soon. But in the meantime, we still got movies to watch, TV shows to watch. There's a lot of buzz about the new thing called the kingdom, the last kingdom or something. I've been hearing a lot about that. I haven't watched it. Um, but what about you, Travis? Uh, what have you been watching? You said you watched less movies last time. Has that remained the same case? Yeah, a little less, a little less. I mean, I, I, like I was really going full bore the first couple of weeks there, but realistically, I, I can't commit to that level of movie watching with, and still, you know, have, a, a qual- have quality of life. Um, so there's, <laughs> there was less movies this, this time around, too. Um, I finally put, I mean, so I, there were some high points and some low points. Um, I, I finally put uh, Phantom Thread under my belt. Finally oh, watched oh, that. Oh, wow. Um, I, I was so hesitant to watch that movie for so long because I was so... Wow. I, I didn't want to watch Daniel Day-Lewis's last movie and I didn't want... And I was, mm. and I was worried about the follow-up to Inherent Vice. Yep. And I didn't care for it. Oh. Yep, there it is. Oh. I, I, I didn't... I got... I, it was so long and... Oh, he just speaks the truth. That's all. It, it, is, it was kind of self-indulgent and like, and ultimately when like it gets to the end, I'm like, fuck, I really like, this is, what this, oh, it's a love story? The, the, <laughs> this, this, we're, I'm supposed to root for these people? And, uh, I just didn't like it. Um, well, you know, well, well directed, well, you know, well acted, but like, again, like this is, I just didn't care where it went plot wise in a lot of ways. Um, on the other hand, uh, the, the movie I think I enjoyed watching most this week was uh, The Lodge, which, Eric, you, you put oh, up a nice review oh, yeah. on, our, on our Instagram page. But uh, to echo that, man, uh, I was happy I went in kind of blind because it seemed like if you knew much about it, it was really easy. It was e- much easier to predict. And uh, I didn't know anything about it. 
Um, but it was a it was a well crafted, nice slow burn of a horror movie. Mm. Um, I watched another good horror movie. I watched The Taking of Deborah Logan, which I had been meaning to see for some time, uh, which was a nice different take on uh, exorcisms. And and minor spoiler in that. Uh, congrats to them for having a horror movie. We're about two thirds of the way through. A, uh, a one of the characters just like nope's out. Like nope, this is fucked. It's a bad situation. I'm leaving. He just leaves the movie. I'm like that's brilliant. That's brilliant. That should happen in horror movies all the time. Just have at least one character who has the sense of mind to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> uh, and then the lowest point of, of, the, of my watching, this is my last best thing I'll say, was I tried to watch uh, the Netflix film uh, The Last Thing He Wanted with uh, Anne Hathaway and Willem Dafoe and oh. Ben Affleck. And man, I got like a half hour in. Oh, wow. It was just so limp and lifeless. I was just like... You know, my exact thought was I could be watching Captain Ron right now. So I stopped it and went to go try and fan, find Captain Ron, but it wasn't streaming anywhere. So I watched Biloxi Blues instead, and that's the end of my story. What just happened? We're going to print up T-shirts. I could be watching Captain Ron right now. There it is. I think that's the show T-shirt for sure. <laughs> what about you, Eric? You've been watching Columbo? Remember Disturbing <laughs> Behavior from 1998? I yeah. do remember that movie. Remember, like, in the late 90s, like, they started coming out with, like, these, like, teen sci-fi thriller, like, The Faculty and, like... Uh, that was pretty uh, good. <laughs> just these really bizarre fucking situations that teenagers get into. This one is especially god-awful. Uh, mm. It's the first time I remember seeing, like, uh, James Marsden and, like, Nick Stahl. Uh, it, it's really bad. Um, <laughs> so that's one I watched on uh, Tubi. Um, Teaching Mrs. Had, Tingle? <laughs> take time you out of your go. life to sit down and watch teaching okay. mrs tingle there you go <laughs> there you go i i had never seen this isn't the big one i had never seen my cousin Vinny. i just always wow. missed this movie. Hmm. um yeah i didn't really like that movie <laughs> i don't know if it holds uh, up um I, I wouldn't think that it would to be it's honest. it's really bizarre in that it's filmed almost like it's for kids, but the script is really vulgar. It's really yeah. fucking weird. She you won know, the Academy like, Award. She won the Academy yeah, Award I, in that I damn movie. I could not believe it. Listen, I love Miss Marissa Tomei, but I, I just, uh, yeah, it was like nails on a chalkboard for me with that one. People still but, don't believe uh, it. That's that. Uh, I watched an interesting movie from the UK in 2004 I had never heard of. It's called Enduring Love. Okay, it stars Daniel Craig, our boy from Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And he's not bland at all. He's actually, this might be the best, one of the best roles I've ever seen him in. Um, it also stars Reese, what's this guy's fucking name? Reese Evans? Like that really like, <laughs> dog looking dude? Looks like a fucking I think it's dog Reese Evans. Yeah. Um, I never really cared for that guy either, but he's, he's so fucking good in this movie. Well, it's I, like a I thriller. Think he's good. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to explain it, but it's about... You don't like, like Reese Eifens? I love Reese Eifens. Yeah, I think he's really good. I, I, I do don't now, like hearing because, that. Uh, yeah, I do he's now. great in uh, Greenberg. I love him in Greenberg. He's so good in that. Reece Reece Hill, bro. Not yeah, that Hill. dude that looks like a dog. But, like, this is a really interesting movie about, like, trauma and stalking and mental health and sexual repression. It's, it's interesting. From the director of Changing Lanes and Notting Hill, <laughs> Roger, Roger Michelle. Oh, okay. Remember Changing Lanes? Love. I, I do, do remember changing lanes. I remember <laughs> it being a better movie killer. than it really was, probably. Yeah, yeah, uh, probably. <laughs> check that one out. And uh, okay, 1989. I had never seen this before. I thought I oh, did. Oh boy, here I we go. The big, the big reveal. 
I may have blown my load on the podcast or the Instagram page, but uh, born on the Fourth of July. Mm. Mm. Love that movie, but it's not all best film? film. It's not better I, than Platoon. I strongly I dislike this movie. I absolutely think it's better than Platoon. I think it's Alverson's best movie. I, I, thought know, it was I read that on the masterpiece. I, you used our name, even though you wrote your name individually, but you said the Cinema Nine podcast says this is his best film. And yeah, no, no, you fucking don't. That's <laughs> why, no, that's why I always put my name on. I know I'm by. fucking around, but my point being is that. I mean, Platoon deserves the credit for what it was. And this is also a very good film. I'm with you, but go ahead. I'm sorry. not. I'm not, man. I think that movie's trash. I'm sorry. Wait, wait. Yeah, I want to hear mean, this. Is it because of, like, the, the like the stance of the movie? Because, like, you know, say we will about, like, the character and, like, what Ron Kovic is about. But I think technically this is one of the best directed films I've ever seen in my entire life. I'll tell you why. I mean, maybe I, I should revisit before I just trash it. Okay. And I'm not the world's biggest Oscars, uh, Oliver Stone fan, so that's a part of it. But if, are, you, are you very familiar with the Kevin Klein classic, In and Out, by any chance? Yes. So I mean, in and Out, not you, not you may remember that, might, might, maybe you remember this, Matt Dillon gets nominated for Academy Award in that movie, and then it shows all the other fake movies that people are doing, like that they're in, and they're all like, yeah. these, these, like <laughs> these like physically disabled people, and they're like, America, man, and like they're, and it's just like this slow-moving American flag, like it's just like, like, like to me, Born on the Fourth of July feels like a parody, like it just feels like a parody of a movie to me. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate your opinion. You're talking about I appreciate you. that, yeah, I, you're talking about a movie that parodies this movie that came out before it, which is one, which is one thing, you know, I mean, no, this no, is no. A, I, yeah, I, I mean, like, go, go, ahead, ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying like, I mean, yes, that movie, like, yes, uh, I guess in and out is probably parodying uh, Born on the 4th of July, but like not just Born on the 4th of July, right? Because I mean, like, it's still yeah. just coming like, home, just, things like it's a, a lot of movies right. like that. It's jam full of well-used tropes that like that movie didn't have to exist for that scene yeah. in, in, in and out to exist. Yeah. Uh, I can, I can appreciate that. And there's a lot of movies where this type of thing happens and it's really fucking saccharine and cheesy. I don't think that, I think Oliver Stone really holds back on the cheese in this one. That's one of the main reasons why I like it so much because there's so many opportunities to really bolster up like the, the bravado and the, the patriotism and the this and the that and the protesting. But I think he plays it kind of cool. I encourage you to revisit it. All right, well, you feel strongly about it, and I respect your opinion, so I should probably give it another shot. Yeah, I think it's a great movie. I own the Oliver Stone collection personally. It's a three-volume set of like fifteen DVDs of all his oh. best films. So. Oh, you, you own yeah. World, World Trade Center? You own that one? It was before World Trade two? Center. This <laughs> is an older uh... Wall Street Two. You own Wall Street Two? No, Money this was sleeps. this was like two thousand four. <laughs> so it's the Greatest hits up to 2004. So Do you that own that, that hagiographic hey uh, documentary on uh, Vladimir Putin? Do you have that? No, I don't have that either. <laughs> so you're naming all the things that I don't care about. <laughs> I love JFK. I love Platoon. I love Natural Born Killers. Yeah, I love Born yeah. on the Fourth of July. I even like Any Given Sunday. On and on and on. I love Talk uh, Radio. I've... Talk Radio is a great movie about a real-life situation um, that was – we don't need to go into all that. But I like, he's got I like a lot Any of Given great... Sunday. Any Given Sunday is a really good movie. I'll give you that one for sure. You and Natural Born wow. Killers is good, too. That's shocking. It's about football. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's probably my favorite football movie. <laughs> and he, you know, he also wrote Scarface. Scarface. Yeah, we talked about it earlier. You guys sure worked did. on it, so he sure did. did. The, uh, that really set him forward, so he could do his own movies. Anyways, yep. poison Eric, American culture. Oliver Stone has taken a turn in twenty years that I didn't think he would take. So I've, yeah. I've, 
it doesn't surprise me at all with JFK, but that's that's a whole other yeah. podcast. And JFK is fun entertainment. It doesn't. We obviously know it's bullshit, but it is entertaining. And I think it's important to make that <laughs> distinction. So. Yeah, Great, I think America you know, struggles to make that distinction sometimes. Oh, yeah, yeah, they definitely do. <laughs> but I'm going to try to say it now just in case somebody's listening and they need to hear it. Do. I was so gung-ho about Oliver Stone. I'm like, uh, after I watched Born on the Fourth of July, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going on. A, I'm, 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 t- I'm watching all of this guy's moves. This guy's an absolute genius. I'm like, what's his next one that came out after this? Oh, The Doors, which is so <laughs> fucking horrible. That's a bad movie. Oh, I like The Doors, yeah. I like yeah, that I one. Like oh, my God. God. You should watch Talk Radio, though. I like that movie. Check that out if you ever get a chance. It's James Woods? That is James Woods. Long time right. ago, before he uh, became the person yeah, he is yeah. today. So It's okay. Yeah, I'll watch the James Woods movie. I don't give a fuck. Yay! All right! <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, is that it, Eric? Oh, don't forget U-Turn. We like U-Turn. We mentioned that yeah, earlier. Yeah, yeah we mentioned fun. it. Yeah. We support U-Turn here. And Wall Street is one of my favorite movies of all time, and that will never change because greed was what defines America, and that movie just shows it, shows it quite well. I think it's a great film, so. But Eric doesn't like going back to the 80s, so he probably doesn't like watching it. Is that it, Eric? Is that all your choices? Your viewing picks for this week? Yeah, that's all I got. Okay. Well, hey, movies are fun, and we like sharing movies with you. And if you get bored and this quarantine's taking its toll on your mental health and you need some movies to escape, get away from it all, then uh, why don't you try 2008's W, a fantastic film. No, I'm just oh, kidding. Shit. We're not just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Recently, <laughs> my choices this week, I watched a funny film directed by Hart Bachner, 1994's PCU. I watched it the other day, and it made me laugh. And in fact, there are a fascinating amount of parallels to current internet culture and this film. It's oh, basically yeah. like this film set the foundation for gotcha culture, cancel culture. Like, it's all in this film but except it's all acted out on like Twitter and the internet now. It's fucking wild. I, there's like a whole philosophical discussion we could have about this. I found it very interesting, but let alone it's funny. You know, blow me's where the Pampers is always makes me laugh. And it always will. Classic line. Classic it line is. American cinema. And it's, it's directed by Hart Bachner. And I think I mentioned this. This is the guy who was in Die Hard. I was like, what? This guy directed this film? The guy who's, uh, you know, Hans, Bubby, you know, that guy with the beard. That's Hart Bachner. <laughs> And he directed PCU, which is weird. Oh. Uh, and then I also right. watched, yeah, that was fun. I also watched, uh, I went back to Roger Dodger. I hadn't seen that in about 12 years. Oh, Jesus. And, how to hold up? Yeah. Again, this is a film where you're watching it now in the world we live in and our, uh, our general perspective as a culture has shifted. This is a very yeah. crass fucking movie. Yeah. Um, but they're not sympathetic to him. So that's why I think it holds up. Like they show Roger for what he is and who he is. And the women are like, fuck you. And he doesn't get what he wants in this film. So it's not like he gets to be an asshole and gets whatever he wants. So that's why I think it still holds up. That was like the first. Yeah. Sorry. That was like the Jesse, that was Jesse Eisenberg, right? Yeah. That was his very first movie. He had his first kiss in real life on the screen with Jennifer Beals. That's awesome. Um, it, that movie was so good, and I remember loving it. And I and I love Campbell Scott very yeah. much. And, and and you ask what he's up to these days. Yeah, he's. I, I'm a little curious too. He, he seems like he, his career really slowed down after appearing in the the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Like he was in both of those, and um, and he pops up every now and then. But I think that he's one of those guys that like 
I mean, I know he produces and directs sometimes too, and does mm-hmm. like I think it, I think he does some Broadway stuff as well. So I'm pretty sure he's like one of those guys that's always working. Speaking of really talented uh, children of uh, famous actors, oh, uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. You gonna say and something? His, his own actor too, you know. He's he does his own thing. George C. Scott was a titan, but he doesn't remind me of Campbell Scott. Campbell Scott nope. does his own thing. I'd love to see him back back around. Yeah, I, I always really thought he was a really great actor that was under underappreciated. Je- I mean, hey, something we Jesse, all agree on. Yeah, <laughs> Jesse, Jesse Eisenberg, he's one of those that's like, he's good at what he does, but like, is what yeah. he does like really enjoyable and fun entertainment? Uh, no, when he's given I, a script, he does a great job with it. When he's, I, yeah. He does his job properly quite well. Squid and the Whale, this movie, yeah. he's really solid in what he is. He's a, neurotic, I, he's a neurotic Jew. That's who he is. I think he's a really, I think he's a really professional actor that will surprise you with his uh, physical ability. I mean, American Ultra. I will go to. Ta- I will. I will go. I will die on that mountain. I fucking love American Ultra. I think it's so See? such a fun movie. And then I recently watched uh, The Art of Self Defense too, which he. he oh, I, very, I gotta watch that. I gotta watch. I have it he, available, and I haven't watched it yet. He very much holds his own in that movie. Again, like like he'll surprise you with his like physical kind of like uh, abilities in in some movies, and because I think he's one of those guys that can. I think he's really versatile um, for 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 someone who's often typecast. Um, yeah, he's I, I mean, awesome I mean, in the I, Social Network. I love that movie. Yeah, I think he's. I think Even he's, though it's think based on a, a fraud, I mean, the, it's a total lie. But I love that movie. So. <laughs> I like that movie, Adventureland. I yeah, love Adventureland. Good. See, now you're hitting all yeah. the hits. I love. I think he's yeah, a great he, actor because he, he does like a it. lot of great movies. He has good choices. Yeah. Okay. And Zombieland's okay. great. He's great in Zombieland. Is you know. Yeah, Double Tap was kind of unnecessary, but Double Tap was <laughs> unnecessary. I agree. I agree yeah. with that. Yeah, like there's, there should be some sort of moratorium that, like, no more, no making a sequel like ten, more than ten years after or something like that. Like, mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Sin City the, Two. No one gives a fuck anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Or maybe five years or something. I think that was actually ten, but whatever. Yeah, there's there's a certain <laughs> there's got to be some sort of cutoff. Reboots, welcome uh, sequels. No, thank you. Okay. <laughs> I got two more. I'll make them quick. Okay. And then okay. I, I also watched uh, 1987's The Witches of Eastwick. Jack Nicholson, <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer, Cher, Susan Sarandon, uh, Richard Jenkins. Interesting film. Um, I never Richard really Jenkins. saw it. And it's a pretty bizarre, it's a wild ass <laughs> movie. I'll say that. It's, yes. um, it's not great. It's kind of fun. Jack Nicholson goes all out in this. You can see why he wanted to play the Joker next because this is basically a prelude to that. Because he's acting like a total bozo in this film. Very, very wild. He's the devil's yeah. book. So, uh, that was weird. And then, uh, George Miller is an incredible filmmaker. And I had forgotten he did Witches of, of Eastwick. It's did he do that? That's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, George Miller. Oh, no. I, I missed that in the credits. That's my bad. Wow. And then lastly, this is a movie that kind of came and went in 2010. And I want to try to kind of to fight for it. It's by a very well-known producer of films creator of films james l brooks he's given us some of our well me personally and i'm not alone here you know good as it gets some of my favorite movies um it's called how do you know it's with owen wilson reese witherspoon jack nicholson again one of his last movies and uh, paul Paul rudd yeah yeah Yeah, this is it and i saw it when it came out being really excited about it because those are all names i love paul rudd reese witherspoon you know jack nicholson james brooks and it was kind of meh but I watched it again, and I think it holds up. 
you know, if we could say that, I, I was actually like, you know, this is about people with a lot of authenticity and maybe I was expecting something different when it came out. But on this viewing, I've rather enjoyed it. And uh, I wanted to say, hey, if you get a chance, give it a shot if you find it anywhere. Right. Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing the preview and I was like, this looks pretty bland to me. But, uh, you know, yeah, I haven't caught Brooks, it. Jack Nicholson's last role. I'll take your word, Mike. I trust your opinions. It's dialogue heavy. There's no doubt about it. But um, remember Spanglish? Yeah, I definitely yeah, remember Spanglish. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I remember Spanglish. I really Paz, like Spanglish. Paz Vega. Yeah. Yeah, I like that movie a lot. Is it Paz or Paz? I think it's Paz. See, it's like pawn, pan, pawn. I, I don't know what's going on. I think we should just end the show. Yeah, let's uh, end the show. It's been a good time. This has been the Cinema 9 Podcast. We love talking about film with you guys. It's been a pleasure. Next week, don't forget, it's Pan's Labyrinth 2006. Interesting film, a lot of subtitles. Don't let that hold you back. Give it a shot. And if you have already seen it, come back and revisit it with us. Does that sound reasonable? I'm pumped. This is going to be great. Yeah, and uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, if you want to help us out, you can um, maybe uh, rate us on iTunes or something like that. Maybe share us with a friend. Probably the best thing you can do to, to help us out is spread the word. That would be appreciated. Yeah. I think that's Thank excellent. Thank you so much for your support. If you want to help me out personally, I'll provide my PayPal so you can give me money if, if you're yeah. a friend. <laughs> well, we're posting all of our Cash App handles. Okay. Don't worry. <laughs> Oh no! Well, now the show's <laughs> ruined. <laughs> We're in for the money now. We've gone corporate. Hey, we know you're all struggling out there. Give us money. Right, thanks for listening to the show. Uh, good luck in the quarantine, everybody. We'll see you next week. This has been the Cinema Nine Podcast. Bye bye.